What's going on, guys? Your host, your boy, George Mackay, back in studio again today. And you know how it is. COVID-19 has been a blessing and a curse. But today is a blessing because I got somebody who was a big part of my childhood. An E-C-W-O-G. That's right. Please help me welcome to Straight Talk Wrestling, one of my favorites, Just Incredible. How are you, sir? What's going on, buddy? How you doing? I'm good, man. I'm good. It's We're about to talk wrestling. We're about to talk ECW. I nice. cannot wait. So one of my first questions I always ask everybody, and I think you can give me a really good answer because your career kind of has had so many different layers to it. Um, you start with WWE, then go into ECW and all that stuff. But I call it the defining moment. And I haven't asked this question in a while, but I feel like your answer would be amazing. Uh, defining moment. When you fell in love with this business that we're going to be talking about today. Uh, wow. I would have to say when I was really young, um, literally, I don't know, seven or eight years old, uh, watching Hulk Hogan beat the Iron Sheik um, uh, for the WWF then title. Uh, I I remember I had a black and white TV with rabbit ears. That was uh, the TV I had in my room, you know, and because uh, it was back in the day. So, um, so yeah, that was the moment that, you know, I never really saw wrestling before. And, uh, when I saw that, it was just like the crowd and the energy, it was just, uh, you know, from there started the love affair of, uh, of just watching as much pro wrestling as I could. Right. And then obviously you started training and who did you start training with? Uh, I started training in 92, the summer of 92, after I graduated high school the year before. And I started training with the Hart brothers up in Calgary, Brett and Owen's family. That's right, Brett Noah, man. They are legacies to me. Owen Hart, Bret Hart, WrestleMania 10. That's yeah, my like, that was, Bible match. Yeah, that's a great match. It's it's one of the matches that uh, comes up a lot, actually. People, uh, I'm surprised people still remember that, but uh, it was uh, probably one of the best matches of WrestleMania uh, throughout the history, you know, if you think about it. Oh, I do. I mean, I consider it like anytime I, I do interview yeah. like an up and coming wrestler, somebody who's just getting into business, not saying that I'm, you know, have all these stripes, but I, I'm a, I'm a big of enough fan and a history aficionado to say, if you want to watch wrestling one-on-one, watch right, that right. psychological, yeah, tactical, just amazing. And it's one of those matches that even though I've, I've seen it a thousand times, every time I watch it, I find something new and something different. I didn't see before. And, and if you really, and actually I haven't seen it in years, I might even go back tonight and watch it. Um, they don't do anything so crazy, but everything they did was so crisp. And I tell this to, to young men and women getting into the business all the time. Flips are cool, all that new stuff. I mean, that's all awesome. The business is always moving and progressing. But man, basics, the, the if you don't have the fundamentals, um, you're not going to go anywhere. And those were some of the best fundamentals. That's one of the reasons I went to the hearts in the first place was they were probably the most technically sound of wrestling schools because of the way, you know, they were just trained up there uh, by Stu and, and all that. So uh, yeah, just uh, the basics in that match is, I mean, crisp, that's the way wrestling should be, you know, and uh, they proved it that night. Oh, absolutely. I, I sat down with Tyson Kidd, uh, a.k.a. TJ Wilson, who's a, yep. a member of the Hart family. Yep. He was one of the last graduates of the dungeon. And yep. I asked him point blank. I said, what was the because he was over there for a lot of Sunday dinners, as I'm sure you were. You know, when you're training there, you eat very, very well at the Hart family uh, household. But I asked him, what was the best thing about Sunday dinners? He goes, how quick Stu Hart could turn it on and off when he's downstairs uh, in the dungeon. It's all business. Yeah. But when he got upstairs and it was the whole family gathered around the table. It was just, it was about family. 
It wasn't sure. about sure you discussed wrestling and you did you you definitely kept the conversation going, but sure. when he wasn't downstairs in the dungeon, it was all about family, and that's something that I respect. I'm a proud yeah. girl dad. I got two yep. little girls, and when we're at the dinner table, we don't discuss anything else that happened except them, how their days are going. Now, yeah. mind you, one of them's four, so her day consists of playing and online right. learning. And my 11 year old just has problems with math and, and math is not what it was when you and I were kids. No, it's, it's way more complicated. now. I have, a, I have a 14 year old and my wife has the same problem with my youngest is uh, the math is just like, what are we supposed to do with this? You know? Yeah. You, but try, yeah, to, I hear you. you try to teach them long division and it's not the long division you remember. It's there's not no remainders now. Bit. It's complicated. Nope. I don't even want the to get into thing. math. I don't yeah. Want to the into whole math. game changed. <laughs> So I, I got to ask, because obviously 92, you were training 94, you got that developmental contract with WWE. Then you obviously debuted as the Portuguese man of war, which I know you weren't a fan of the character. I know you weren't right. a fan of the mask, but one cool thing did happen out of that is that you, you were kind of, you know, friends with the click. You had kind of worked your way, made friends with those guys and Razor Ramon kind of, you know, I guess took you under his wing a little bit. Yep. Yep. You had that awesome 13-minute run at a Royal Rumble, which kudos to you because I know I wouldn't last more than five seconds in a fucking Royal Rumble. <laughs> you lasted 13 minutes. I mean, it sucked that you were eliminated by the eventual winner, but at least you could say you were eliminated by the man who took it all. Right, 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 right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, it was, you know, the Aldo thing, it wasn't even, um, it, in hindsight, looking back, it wasn't even that bad because I got to really, uh, somebody just posted a match of me and, uh, PCO uh, when he did the uh, pirate gimmick uh, at Madison Square Garden and it was a hell of a match and I forgot like how much I learned in in in, in those years man because I got to wrestle world-class talent in world-class venues um, at such a young age so in, in retrospect it really was a blessing because uh, when I finally did get my chance I'd had all those years of of really learning. And I think that was Vince's uh, whole thing too, was put me under a mask. Therefore I can get groomed and so forth. And when they're ready to do something and maybe I'm ready with my ability, um, they could start with a whole new character. So, you know, in hindsight, I, I look back uh, with fond memories today where maybe back then I didn't as much, you know, absolutely absolutely and i gotta ask and i don't want to pull the curtain too back but as a wrestling fan it's kind of burning the hole in the right. pocket this question the royal rumble i mean i obviously we all know everything's orchestrated everything's kind of set up that way but when it comes to the eliminations is that predetermined who's in eliminating who yeah okay oh yeah so going um, but in, it's you no know, you know how long yeah. it's gonna last and when it's gonna happen but it's not as intricate as people think or it wasn't back then when I was doing it or when I was, I was, I did the 95 and 96. Um, you basically got told the number, uh, you know, and who, who basically you're like, he's throwing you out and look for, you know, so basically the whole time I was just looking for Sean to come to me and whenever he was ready. So I saw him eliminate somebody and I was next in line. So I'm like, at that point, it's like, all right, fine, Sean. And when he's ready, he'll uh, he'll do it. So, but, but back then we didn't plan as much as they do today. I think I think back then we did a lot more improv uh, and calling it in the ring than uh, than they do today. You know. Do you think that's a lost art amongst the younger guys okay. coming up in the business today? Is calling it in the ring? Big time, man, big time. Because uh, especially maybe in the COVID era, not so much because there's no fans. Um, at least live fans. I mean, they got the Thunderdome stuff, but it's nothing like having a house full of fans. Um, you know. 
that really is, you know, we, we're, we're entertaining them and we're trying to get them to peak and to really cheer. And that's an art in itself. And every town is different. Um, what works in Philadelphia is not going to work in New York. And um, if you go out there with the same match and take that same exact match all over the country, you're going to get a different response, almost every little, you know, maybe the same, but there'll be differences uh, throughout, you know what I mean? Cause certain fans like certain things. So for, a lot of the old school guys and guys that really know how to work going in there kind of with just a finish is a great way to wrestle because it's, it's no different than improv comedy. Like you have a strut, like a, an outline of what you would do, but then the rest is like, you see what the fans are bringing, what energy they're bringing. Cause sometimes you may go out there thinking they're going to be hot for this, or I'm going to be over, or I'm going to be cheered. And it, they could flip it sideways and it can be the complete opposite. And you're going in there with this match that isn't necessarily going to work. So going out there with an open ear and open mind is so cool. And that's when I think you get the most benefit out of, out of it is just going out there and wrestling. You know, it's, it's a lot easier than it sounds too, because if you're, uh, if you're any good at what you do, it's pro wrestling, dude, we know how to do it. It's like, we've watched it our whole lives, you know, but slams you and tells you to stay, you stay and then they drop something on you. It's not that hard. <laughs> I mean, I know it's a lot more intricate, than that, but it really, you shoot someone off, you the clothesline, give me something. You know, a lot of times people forget that wrestling is best uh, when it's improvised, you know. Absolutely. Especially, I, for, I, especially for the fans. I agree with you, you 150%. Know? I think when it's the improvisation and the organicness of it all, that's what really ties it all together and makes something special. You could go in there trying to gauge one reaction, but if the fan base is not feeling it, and we've we've experienced that ourselves. We've seen it oh, yeah. at WrestleManias where we, where we know – the finish was supposed to be different, but the fan base was not having it. So yeah. on the fly, you have to make that kind of audible call like football. Yeah. You got to say, okay, we got to change it up because the audience is not giving us the reaction we would have expected. But Absolutely. you, you kind of earn your stripes in a place where the fan base always yeah. gave you what you wanted. Even if you guys didn't know it was what right. you wanted. And that's the yeah. house that ECW built. Yeah. You, yeah, are, you had some of the most amazing matches I had ever seen. One that holds a special place in my heart was the first match I ever experienced in ECW. My cousin sent me a bootleg tape because at the time there really was no pay-per-views. And yes, everybody right. had the black box, but my but, black box sucked. I didn't get nearly as much <laughs> stuff as I could have. Yeah. But he sent me the first blood match with you and Tommy Dreamer. And oh, that wow. match changed my life. That match oh, wow. showed me what new school edgier craziness could look like and that's a match that i could watch through and through and again much like the wrestlemania 10 match now obviously the comparisons are hugely different sure. but much like that match i can go back and watch it and find something new and different every time and i sat down with tommy dreamer over a year and a half ago when i started this podcast and i asked him point blank what was the evolution of the character of Tommy Dreamer? So now I pose the same question to you in reverse. After that first blood match, what was the evolution of Just Incredible? Well, that's a good question. Um, I, the, the evolution, I think, when I first got the character, I really, uh, I knew I had to be a heel. And I knew I had this uh, weird name, you know, because Just Incredible at first kind of seemed, when Paul dropped it on me, Paul Heyman, it kind of seemed cheesy like it could have been really cheesy and weird and uh, it felt very gimmicky um and i had wrestled babyface most of my career you know in the wwf as aldo montoya so um 
the first kind of year or so uh, of just incredible, I was really just grasping at anything. Like I was trying to be, you know, a little bit of Razor Ramon, a little bit of Shawn Michaels, and somehow trying to mix it in there where it didn't look too obvious that I was trying to be some like, like those guys. Um, so I think, you know, just somewhere in between all that. And when I got, especially with Tommy, Tommy was just so good at, at kind of knowing how to get people over. I mean, that was, that's really what Tommy did for me in ECW was help me to get over and kind of know what to expect from the fans. And uh, he just taught me how to relax and how to really gauge what the fans wanted in ECW and kind of um, giving me permission to just figure it out. You know, and like a, a lot of the stuff we did in those matches, even though I haven't seen those matches in years, um, I just remember a lot of it just being fun and effortless. Like, you know, Dreamer would just, uh, you know, mostly call all this stuff. And um, it was just, just gave me a ton of confidence and made me really grow into Just Incredible. Um, whereas I think in the beginning, I was trying to act like Just Incredible. I don't know if that makes any sense, but instead of trying to act like a heel and doing, um, very stereotypical heel stuff. I just kind of flowed into it where that was more of a, a version of my real self amped up to a million, you know? Absolutely. And that's usually the best kind of characters are when it's as real as it can be. And yeah. I mean, obviously in the beginning, there were, like I said, there were peaks and valleys with the Just Incredible character. But yep. I think for me, that's when I became a fan of Just Incredible. That's when I bought in to the gimmick. Right. That's when right. I was like, this is my guy. As long as ECW is good. And as long as he doesn't go back to WWE or at the time, I didn't know you were in WWE, right? Because I didn't know what was under the mask. But if right. I hadn't, right. if, if he, as long as WWE doesn't take him and fuck him up, like so many other ECW guys before yeah. him, I'm okay. And thankfully you were there for a very long time. And yeah. then what happened was amazing because you eventually down the line, you worked so many great feuds. Another honorable mention feud for me is the one with Sandman. Sandman yes. was another one of my guys. So your feud with him was special, but it was hard for me as a fan, man, because I'm sitting there yeah. loving you, sitting there yeah. loving him. And then I'm like, okay, well, I can't lose because they're both fighting each other. But <laughs> subconsciously, I think I want this, but my heart's telling me to want this. Yeah. As a wrestling fan, you're conflicted. And that's why I'm yeah. wearing a hat because I probably pulled most of my hair out when I was a teenager. Thinking, Fuck, <laughs> why can't they just get along and hug it out? But that's great. talk to me about Sandman because Sandman yeah. was a character much like Raven, there were layers and there was shock value. And we all yep. know the history of Paul Heyman and how he thought so far outside of the box, but sometimes the box didn't exist. Yeah. Was there anything during that feud with Sandman? Because the Sandman and Raven feud walked that line of so much fucked upness. Was there anything during that feud that Paul Heyman came to you guys and was like, we should do this. And you guys kind of looked at each other like, I really don't know if I'm okay with that. Like, obviously, I don't think there was ever anything in ECW that any of you faithful, any of you OGs didn't do because right. it was always ECW. It was extreme for a reason. But right. was there ever something that Paul Heyman said to you during any of those feuds, most notably the one with Sandman, where you were like, nah, I just, I'm not doing that. I'm not doing it. Not really. Not, not, not really. I don't think I've ever uh, had a moment like, the only one time anything like that happened, and I'll re resort back to Sandman quickly, was with Tommy Dreamer uh, and the 10-bell salute to his grandfather. But Tommy, that was Tommy's idea. 
Okay. So he he uh, he sold it to me like Tommy. I think that's a little disrespectful. And he goes, "Really, it's not because my grandfather would love it if he was involved in something like that. He would find it cool." So it in turn became a tribute. But that's the only thing I'd ever questioned uh, in ECW. Now back to Sandman. Unfortunately, Sandman. When I got to feud with him, he was leaving for WCW. Right. And um, it was the whole thing was to kind of take the moniker of the hardcore icon and take the kendo stick from him. So in turn, it really never uh, developed the way I wanted it to. It just ended up being, um, you know, some cool matches and some good stuff. But uh, it never was the feud I, I think we quite wanted it to be um, because his mind and his career was going elsewhere. But it certainly... Uh, to this day, I use the moniker Hardcore Icon. Uh, it just kind of stuck. And it was cool. You know, it kind of fits in with uh, with everything, especially reminiscing to ECW. It's something that the fans of today can identify with. But uh, I really wish I would have gotten to um, to play the long game with Sandman as far as storytelling, because we could have done something uh, really cool, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I feel, like, I feel like there's a lot left off the table. It's almost something that... Uh, I wish I keep the feud, like I said, with uh, that one and the one with Tommy obviously is my two favorites. I keep those feuds kind of in a special place in my heart. And when the kids are in bed and the wife wants to watch something a little bit fucked up, I'll say, well, let's watch anything ECW. That's the yeah. great thing about the network because it's all there. Yeah. So yeah. that's the cool thing about it. But yeah. I, I, another cool thing happened is that you got to team with another one of my you know, favorites, and that's Lance Storm. Another Calgary yeah. boy, another heart trained boy. You guys were the impact players, and that was a great time to be a champ, which actually I think led to, in my opinion, you getting the shot at the title for that 162-day reign. And if yep. my, I, I believe it was 162, right? Is my research Something right? Did like I do that, my yeah. job? Yep. Nice. Yep. Okay, good. You always want to make sure the research is on point. Cause even though yeah. I knew some of this, I had to go back and cross my T's and top my eyes. Sure, sure, sure. But the impact players being, being teamed with a guy like Lance Storm and actually riding it out together as I guess you could say almost the new age heart foundation, because you two were both trained by the hearts. How cool right. was that? And eventually leading to you being the guy for three months, four months. It was, it was amazing. And it was, uh, uh, what a lot of people don't know is not only did we uh, train both uh, at the Hearts, him and Jericho came through in 1990, through the Hart Brothers camp in 1990. I came through in 92. But a lot of people don't know that Lance actually, uh, it, when I came through in 92, was doing a lot of in-ring training where the hearts would kind of just come by and uh, get in the ring once a week or so Lance actually did most of the drills and most of the, the actual in-ring repetitious stuff. So really he was in essence, a trainer of mine. Um, and uh, the great thing about the impact players were, was we were friends. He was one of the first people that I ever met in the wrestling business. I trusted him and everything I was Lance was not, as far as flash and stuff like that. So he was able to open up and become a little bit more, more of a showman. Like he started to pose. We started to do the, um, the old Kevin Nash, uh, Shawn Michaels thing where I was, did the stick and he did the, the bicep pose. And, um, and, and in reverse, uh, Lance was a lot of the stuff that I was not, you know what I mean? He brought a sense of, you know, he kind of brought, like, we, we evened each other out. He was a technical guy. I was a hardcore guy. Although, you know, I, you know, I know how to wrestle, etc. You know, it's like we were both complimenting each other, like, you know, his strengths, my strengths, his weaknesses. You know what I mean? It's like we balanced that out. 
And it was a really even team as far as what we could accomplish in the ring. Like we could really wrestle any style um, with anybody. And it was just so much fun. I mean, that was probably the time in wrestling where we, I mean, if you watch any of those impact player matches on television, we're in there laughing, cracking jokes, like really having a good time. And uh, I haven't had fun like that since it was just a, a really special time. And we really, you know, I felt safe in there with him. Like if I forgot something, he was always there to get my back or if he, you know, or vice versa, if he forgot something, I, you know, so we really had each other's backs in that sense. And I just wish, cause the only reason uh, that the impact player split up was a, because, you know, they they put the heavyweight title on me, but also uh, Lance was leaving as well to WCW. So right. that all happened again. Like I lost three guys <laughs> to a WCW and all, another one too was Shane Douglas. When I feuded with him over the, the moniker, the franchise, like who was the real franchise of ECW. So it's like at that time, like people were just going and, you know, jumping ship. So uh, that was one that I wish would have stuck around because I think Lance, uh, Lance and I could have done some really, really cool things, you know? Absolutely. And, um, uh, it's interesting that you mentioned all those guys leaving because my dad uh, was the guy who got me into wrestling. He was a fan okay. of the technical side, which is why I have such an appreciation for the hearts. Um, so the interesting thing about that was, is that when I showed my dad any of those ECW tapes that my cousin would send me, he would sit there and just get furious and be like, this is not wrestling. This is shock value uh, nonsense. And that's just the old school fan in him. Sure. Did you ever cross that bridge or did you guys ever feel like when you were getting these opportunities at WWE or at WCW before the Monday Night Wars ended, did you ever feel like when you were coming up that there were a lot of people in the back, those old school cats on both companies that were, I guess, judging you for coming from that extreme, hardcore, super gory, violent background and that you guys never got um, the respect you deserved in the business when you got those opportunities? I think some did. Yeah, uh, for sure. Uh, but I also think it was a, a little bit unwarranted, you know, because in essence, what we were doing at times was just no different than what Terry Funk did. And I don't mean Terry Funk in ECW. I mean, the old Texas uh, Terry Funk where, you know, the against Dusty Rhodes with the uh, bunkhouse stampede matches and the boot and chains and, uh, you know, and all that stuff. I mean, that stuff was going on for a long time. I just think it... Uh, Look, we found a way to to really cater to a different audience, an audience that wanted look, wrestling was so dull at that point, uh, especially in 95, where, you know, bad characters like Aldo Montoya, Duke the Dumpster, Drossy, uh, among um, a ton others. And in WCW, that was just stale. You had Hogan there for the millionth time before NWO. Um, nobody really you know, it was really boring wrestling. So what we did was just turn it on its ear, man. And just, uh, you know, started doing some stuff that Paul Heyman had seen in uh, Japan, uh, the FMW promotion. Uh, a lot of it was, was from that, you know, uh, Mick Foley was out there too, wrestling on those death, ma death tournament matches against Terry Funk. And I think it was just a way to, to kind of bring that to the fans in Philadelphia that were, smart fans they were smart marks who read the sheets and who really enjoy uh, something different because let me tell you something um you don't talk about wcw uh today as much uh, at all really no. you know it's very rare and ecw was um minus i mean the, the violence was certainly a reason that uh fans liked it but also you know it uh it opened up to just being something 
for a, like more adult orientated material. You know, it was just something that wasn't uh, all bubble gum and popcorn and, and, and the fans really loved that. They, you know, a lot of our audience was, was college kids, high school kids, you know, uh, an older demographic that wasn't necessarily embarrassed to come to a wrestling show. Um, music had a huge part to play in it. So it was an, on a different level. And I think it really, after a while, it really was more than blood and guts. It was Tajiri versus Super Crazy, you know, uh, Mike Awesome versus Tanaka, you know, those amazing, amazing matches. So we really had, towards the end especially, we really had a bit of, uh, a little bit for everyone, you know, we'd have New Jack diving off of something, we'd have, you know, a little bit of barbed wire, then we'd have, you know, again, a Van Dam versus Jerry Lynn 40 minute classic where they're doing amazing high spots and, and great wrestling. So we had a little bit of everything. And uh, of course the girls, you know, we had uh, beautifully scantily clad women uh, cat fighting, which uh, never gets old, uh, especially for young uh, men in the audience, so. Absolutely. You know. Ages 13 to 16 were great years because of yeah. WWE. <laughs> really, I mean, it, it was it was something that, that really was necessary, you know. We filled a void because I think wrestling fans really wanted something else, which, of course, led to the Attitude Era and the Monday Night Wars and stuff because that really, I mean, if it wasn't for ECW, they would have never really gone that route of, of the violence and all that other stuff that they then became and did. You know, and uh, I think I think it was the natural progression. And of course, now we've dialed back on it to a point where, you know, it's kind of at that moment again where wrestling is a little bit dull and it's a little bit passe. So uh, I don't know what the next uh, shakeup is going to be. I thought AEW was going to be that. Not yet. Not not from what I see. But, um, you know, I think it's going to take something uh, unique to to really uh, start shaking it up again. You know, and I don't know what that what that looks like, but I know it, you know, if the ratings keep going the way they are for Raw, something will be done. You know, absolutely. And that actually, since you brought up AEW, this steers a great conversation. See, look at that. We're already we're bromancing here, man. Oh, <laughs> and I love it. So there's something happening right now in wrestling that's never really happened before. We've seen kind of partnerships, but it's more partnerships to kind of take from the rosters. It's to steal the talent. But what we're seeing now is two organizations, Impact, coming back. A serious player was always there for me as a fan. I've always been an Impact fan. They got a lot of Canadian names in that house. Yep. Always rocked Impact, even during the Dark Ages, the Dixie Carter Ages, for sure. Um, But now there's this partnership, this aligning with AEW. And also there's whispers of an aligning with New Japan. So it's an exciting time to be a wrestling fan because we could see matches like, for example, Chase Owens, New Japan star. I could see him go one-on-one with a Josh Alexander from Impact Wrestling. I might be able to see him go uh, with a uh, Danny Limeknight from AEW. There's options there now. So what's it like for somebody like you, an OG like you, a legend in this business, to see these these companies kind of working together to promote the business, not not different promotions, the right. business? I think it's great. I don't think it hurts anyone. I think it helps everyone. Um, you know, back in the day of uh, the after magazines, the pro wrestling illustrated days and stuff, you'd always... Um, see a lot of that fantasy booking play out um you know uh with the you know because those she those uh articles and stuff were all made up articles but there was a lot of uh a lot of playing and a lot of fantasy stuff that was written about you know this guy going this iteration and these super matches and it never really happened because you know if you had nwa champion against the wwf champion who goes over 
you know, who wins, who loses as far as, you know, um, but obviously they've gone away from that into it now because the business, I guess, isn't so much, you know, fans aren't necessarily worried so much about is it real or not. Of course, you know, they're, they're smart to work on, but I think they realize that everyone benefits by working with one another, exchanging talent, having everybody kind of show up in these shows. If done properly, it could be the, the, real, the real next big thing in wrestling, and that in itself, all those combined, those names you just mentioned, could actually, if done properly, be competition for the WWE. You know, and it might not necessarily be AEW or Impact Wrestling or New Japan, but as a, as a whole host of, of companies doing super shows, that might be something, you know, I don't know how much, how many, how much legs that it would have behind it and how long it would last. But uh, if something like that were to happen, I would see some real interest, you know, because a lot of big names out there. And I think a lot more people are willing to take that chance uh, than go sign with WWE, get lost in NXT for a year or two, and then kind of go nowhere, you know, and because the, the money also is, is very close uh, to what WWE offers. So, I think a lot of the wrestlers too are starting to look at it as a real alternative to going to WWE, which could be a dead end. Absolutely. I agree with everything you said. And I, I loved your response and, and thank you for the honesty and the candidness, because that's what I'm all about here on straight talk wrestling is the straight up honest truth, whether sure. you like it or not. Now I have to ask this question because again, coming from a, a ECW OG, when WWE brought back ECW, it was nowhere near where it once was. We all know the history. Anybody can watch the rise and fall of ECW. We know what happened there. We understand about the poor money management. I'm not going to get into that. I'm not going to sully somebody who is on my bucket list to interview. So Paul Heyman, if you're watching this, I'm available. But right now I got my other favorite here, which is just incredible. So I'm going to focus on him. But when ECW came back and it was not the same and it was done over the top it was done yeah. like a raw like a smackdown yeah. it wasn't its own entity which it should have been it wasn't grimy it wasn't grungy right. it wasn't right. edgy it was monday nights rolled over into tuesdays because at the time smackdown was on thursdays that's exactly yeah. what ecw was yeah when the product came back and a couple of you guys did come back you came back you fought cm punk in his debut match all that stuff you did not get the win on that that's fine i understand that you put him over which is the right thing to do for sure but sure. when you came back and when you were invited back and you're like, hey, listen, we're doing this ECW thing again. It should be awesome. It should be fun. You're probably stoked. You're like, yeah, we're going to see, you know, ECW oh, yeah. back. It's breathing new life. And then you walk out there and you're like, huh? What the yeah. fuck is this? Yeah, it, it, it really, uh, I mean, all the, the first ECW one night stand was as original of an ECW show as I would have hoped it would have been. Uh, Paul ran that show. Um, it was at the Hammerstein Ballroom. The The card was all done by Paul and Tommy Dreamer. That felt and was an authentic ECW show. Very happy with the way it came off. And I think the fans were as well. Um, from there, uh, ECW was no longer heard of again. And then rumblings started to come about um, that they were going to do it again and then possibly, uh, you know, start it up again, ECW. Um, they signed me to a contract, a three-year deal, and they signed a, a bunch of other ECW guys to, to contracts, although they were relatively, uh, you know, low in pay. Nonetheless, still, we're, you know, we thought we we're going to get the band back together and the brand back together. And uh, after the second one-night stand, you know, you start to see the John Cena's pop up and, you know, 
a lot of the WWE's guys in that kind of an environment in the show, JBL shows up, it just started right away to feel the WWE. And, um, and you know, you know what happened. Um, they had moments like CM Punk's debut and, and other things that happened, but it quickly disintegrated into uh, a horrible, horrible thing. You know, the, the, the ECW zombie and uh, just all kinds of crazy, horrible ideas for what Vince McMahon thought ECW was. Um, but, you know, if you really think about it, it could have never been because ECW was all about fighting the establishment. We spent our entire career uh, of the promotion fighting against ECW, uh, fighting against corporate. And here we are, we're part of the machine. So how could we be outlaws when, you know what I mean? Uh, they could have done it uh, storyline-wise in many different ways, but Vince McMahon would never, ever uh, go get behind something like that or even want to understand something like that when he didn't create it. He understood that ECW had value. Uh, the And what led to that were the, uh, the ECW, I think, um, the rise and fall and all that stuff. Those were doing amazing numbers on DVD and Blu-ray. I got both of them. Um, so, yeah, and the, those were one of the highest-selling DVDs they've ever put out. So I think that's what really, uh, you know, he realized the 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 brand still had a lot of value, but you know, the mishandling was just gratuitous. Paul Heyman had no real um, input, like input on what was going on, and he was just, you know, at that at that point, after about week three or four. Uh, the writing was on the wall. Um, we were doing ECW branded shows, but, you know, I remember we ran the ECW arena and, you know, to start off the ECW, it was sold out and stuff. We went to a lot of the old arenas, um, you know, and the first thing you hear is the lights go out. This is brought to you by the World Wrestling Entertainment and its parent company and this and that. And right there, the crowd shits on it right off the get-go. And right off the get-go, you're getting complete corporate, wwe version of ecw and if vince could have just let it go and just let it be what it what it was they might have had a chance i mean if they really let paul do what he did uh just basically take the money and operate it on your own but vince would never do that vince is such a control freak and he is so so crazy in that way that he would just never ever allow anything like that to succeed when it's not his that's just the bottom line and it was you know ecw is bastardized and you know it, it's a shame what happened i literally quit uh two or three months that thing you know so it was just a horrible 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 idea as well yeah i completely agree with you but one cool thing that i think it did lead is to right around obviously you went back on the impact circuit there was a little stint there with the alliance all that good stuff but the one thing that I did really find special about doing my research, and I haven't been able to see the match, I don't know if it was ever filmed, but you uh, returned to the ECW arena, the house that Paul Heyman built, and you were there the last match versus Sabu at Evolve. It was the venue's final professional wrestling match. I don't know if you know that. That's a little piece of history if you did not know that. But how was no, I it? I did not. Yeah, so how, that's pretty special. So kudos to you and Sabu being the guys that turned the lights out on that building. You were the final yeah. match to take place in the ECW arena. So now knowing that, does that yeah. kind of make that last match a little special? Um, it does. Uh, I do remember it now uh, in retrospect, but uh, you know, 
you every time they say and this is why i hate when they do this in pro wrestling they say it was the last it may have been the last for the way the ecw arena was but then a couple of years later they renovated it and made it a whole you know that hall now is a multi-million dollar uh, entertainment facility which still runs tommy dreamer's house of hardcore so in essence you know uh it did make me feel good um but like many things, it just gets cheapened by what pro wrestling does all the time is we announce it's the last time, just like many retirements and stuff like that. And I'm guilty of it, too. That ends up not being so, you know, I take it all with a grain of salt. Now, I just uh, I just try to look for, uh, you know, just look at the good good of it all. You know, the fun we had and uh, kind of the, the trail we blazed, you know, because it's times it's uh you almost don't believe you were there to be part of it. Like when I, I don't watch myself on TV from the old days, but when I do, it's like, that was, that was me. You know, it's almost like hard to believe that uh, that was that long ago and uh, that we did what we did and created what we created. Uh, it's kind of, you know, kind of mind boggling, you know? Absolutely. If it wasn't for guys like you that blazed the trails for other people, straight talk wrestling would not exist. And I mean that wholeheartedly. I told yeah. the same thing to Tommy Dreamer. If I didn't yeah. have you guys in my life, I would have never met my wife because she was a diehard wrestling fan. I would have not had the balls to start this podcast four years ago. And right. I wouldn't be sitting down with you because you wouldn't exist. So it doesn't yeah. matter. And right. it, it, yeah. it, it's all in line. So thank you. Thank Tommy. Thank Paul Heyman. No. Thank, thank everybody. you. Everybody. And all of us. Yeah. Yeah. For, Absolutely. For leaving, leaving a piece with all of us, something that eventually down the line, I could share with my 11 year old daughter. I still think she's a little too young to get an ECW, <laughs> but I definitely want to show her. I got a couple yeah. more questions for you. And then I think we're sure. going to wrap it up so you can enjoy your evening. Oh, um, absolutely, man. In retrospect, um, as, as you've had the career you've had, like I said, with so many peaks and valleys and stuff like that, but you've gained one thing, which is an insurmountable amount of knowledge, which now you do share. You've got the YouTube channel wrestling one-on-one, yep. which is a great fundamental channel. For anybody out there looking, please check this man's channel out, subscribe, show him some love, because Wrestling 101 is great. So I've got to ask you this. If you've got a young fan out there wanting to break into the business, male or female, because now we're in a great period as well. Being a proud girl dad, I can actually have my girls watch wrestling and see sure. women going out there and kicking ass, not yes. going out there and beating each other in lingerie with pillowcases. And all yeah. that nonsense. Don't get yeah. me wrong. I loved the scantily clad women when I was 13. But now being a girl dad, uh -uh, right. I want to see women kicking ass. And the last couple of years, the evolution of women in the business is second to none. And I rep women's wrestling to the fullest. But if you've got a, a fan out there, a young boy or a young girl, wanting to break into this business, what is the one piece of advice, the 101, if you will, that you would break down to them? Um first thing is um and i know this is going to sound stupid because they said it to me get an education get an education because um even if you do ever reach any success in the business and not to sound um you know pessimistic but uh the chances on making it are so slim that it's it's all it's almost disheartening if i would have known and believe it or not uh, this uh, today i did an, another podcast previously i said the same thing it was easier for me with less places to work and 92 to get in than it is today with all of these places to to work and social media and youtube and all these wrestling outlets it's harder today um than it was in 92 only because maybe back then there were in the united states 250 to 300 professional wrestlers period 
now there's probably two to three thousand right and everybody's looking for a spot and you know see back then when you know there were you know 10 or 15 guys started at the hearts only two finished on my class you know uh we let too many people into the business and now we can't manage it so there's um you know, I don't know how many full-time jobs, but it pales into comparison to how many people are out there trying to, to get jobs. So it's very difficult So definitely get an education. And if you do choose this business, um, learn the basics, man, uh, find the best, best teacher you can, the best school you can. And, um, and you're going to have to work your ass off and you're going to have to commit everything in your life to professional wrestling. If you want to succeed if you want to succeed. Um, and I mean, you really have to be a student of the game, you know, and, and you're going to have to travel, you're going to have to starve and you're going to have to make sacrifices that uh, I don't know if a lot of people are even aware of today, you know, because sometimes it doesn't get, you know, talked about, it. but uh, it's a real grind. And uh, if you're willing to make that and to take that journey, then go right ahead. But uh, I would suggest, man, all the stuff I just said, but it's so important to find a good wrestling school that has professionals that'll care about you, not just want to take your money because you get a lot of that out there and people that will, you know, teach you the right way. And there's so much knowledge out there that, um, you know, just always look for knowledge, ask questions and, you know, always surround yourself with uh, the best people you can, you know, because the game has changed where when I was coming up, there was a lot of booze, a lot of drugs, a lot of partying, in today's wrestling world, I'm glad that it is not that way anymore. Um, and, you know, it's a lot less risky than it used to be in that aspect. So, uh, you know, just look for look for the best people in the industry and just go to them, you know. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's a great piece of advice coming from, like I said, a true legend, in my opinion, in this business. And right before I ask my final question, I do want to let you know you are officially now a member of the Straight Talk family. Anytime oh, nice. you want to come back on the show you have my socials. I have yours. Absolutely. Actually, you have my number. I have yeah. yours. So Absolutely. We can do this all over again. If you're bored yeah, on man, Sunday, we keep in touch. You, Absolutely. And you want to talk wrestling with your boy? Because I know I'm now your new favorite podcast. I know. Absolutely. I know. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> but right before I get you to shout out your socials and we say goodbye, sure. my final question out of all the amazing ECW opponents you've had, and this is a tough question because when I asked Tommy, he kind of did one of these because there was a lot to think about. But out of all the ECW legends that you tangled in the ring with, actually, out of all the legends in the business, period, who was the one that surprised you the most with the instant chemistry you shared in the ring? Because you can all build chemistry over wow. a storyline. But who was somebody that you thought, I don't know if this is going to work? And then you stepped in the ring and it was like, holy shit, we are at another level right now. And I'm fucking excited about it. Jerry Lynn. Jerry Lynn. Um I was really, uh, I didn't know if I could hang with him. I had known of his work uh, at the time with Global Wrestling. Like, remember the old GWF on ESPN? Yeah, yeah. It was an yeah. offshoot of, like, the uh, the old Texas wrestling. Yep. So Jerry Lynn had had a, a big feud with uh, Sean Waltman as uh, the Lightning Kid. Right. And uh, I, he was just well known for being a, a master in the ring. And, uh I started working with him almost right off the bat and I didn't think for one minute that I could hang with him. So, and when we got in there, he was just so smooth, so crisp. 
um, so easy that, and it only got better and better and better, almost to the point where it was effortless. And we literally had like uh, one word um, names for like these long spots we would do. So literally we'd say, you know, do the flare spot. And we'd have this long spot that we would do just off of, you know, we have little one, uh, one like word names spots. And he was just so good and so easy. Uh, I'd have to say Jerry Lynn, but another one, a quick second, because I had to think for a minute that I never thought I would have gelled with the way I did was Sabu. Really? Yes. And I knew you were going to say that too. Uh, yeah. I thought he was going to be a train wreck and a half and he was, he ended up being absolutely, uh, absolutely amazing in the ring. So yeah, Sabu close yeah. second. Yeah. Hell yeah. Those matches you had with him, those are timeless. You yeah. guys looked like you had rehearsed that for weeks on end. That's yeah. how crisp those matches looked to me. Yep. And he was, he was, he was a master at it, you know, and he was, uh, again, he was one of the people I least expected to gel with and uh, almost instantly right away. So. Absolutely. Well, just incredible. What can I say about this conversation? <laughs> but one word, incredible. Ah, mm. word. Play on word. That's nice. Well, you know what? Straight talk wrestling is not just the coolest. Straight talk wrestling is not just the best. Straight talk wrestling. Now that, my friends, is just incredible. See what I did there? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes, sir. Yes. So before I let you go, like I said, you're now officially a member of the Straight Talk family. And please shout out your socials. Shout out, shout out the YouTube page. Let people know where they Absolutely. can find you. And support this man during COVID because it's not easy what these guys are yeah. doing for. Bookings have been lost. And I got to tell you right now, Justin, when the borders do open and the world gets back to normal, if you're coming to Canada... Ontario, you hit me up. We're going to go out Absolutely. and I am going to buy you a drink and we're going to reminisce some more. Off the record, Absolutely. Off the yes. record, <laughs> Absolutely. So what um, are you? Yeah, man. Uh, follow me on Twitter at PJ Polacco. Also on Instagram at PJ Polacco. Uh, ProWrestlingTees.com backslash Just Incredible. I have over 20 designs uh, from Aldo Montoya to old school ECW, Just Incredible to some new school stuff. So if you're into wrestling t-shirts, check out ProWrestlingTees.com backslash just incredible of course youtube um pro wrestling 101 just hit that up um on the search engine and every friday uh on vince russo's realm network i do an aw review show you can catch the first 10 minutes live on twitch for free uh at 10 a.m on patreon.com backslash russo twc so check us out Absolutely. Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. And guys, I'm a glutton for self-promotion and it is my show. So at underscore straight talk on Twitter, straight talk wrestling on Instagram, which he, which just incredible follows me. I'm in, Absolutely. I'm in the family and uh, straight talk wrestling on Facebook. I do have a pro wrestling tease, straight talk wrestling uh, support. I got about five designs up there, but anything you purchase goes right back into the show to secure amazing guests like just incredible. And I do have a YouTube page. And if just incredible, you could, uh, so you could subscribe to my YouTube page. I mean, the world Absolutely. Yeah. straight talk. You got wrestling. it. And your episode will obviously be premiering on there. And the week before it premieres, I will tag you in all the promotions. Please share away. Absolutely. Sir, this I will. has been an absolute incredible honor for me. Uh, this Thank is a bucket you. list. Thank this you. is now I can scratch. You and Tommy are off the list. I just that's got one awesome. more from ECW to round up my top three, and that's Paul Heyman. So, like I said, nice. Paul, if you're listening, hit up yeah. your boy. I'd love to have a conversation. <laughs> that's awesome, man. Yeah, I really man. appreciate it, man. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much. And thanks to all the fans checking us out, man. It's a real honor. Thank you, Absolutely. Sir. Absolutely. Well, guys, that's it. This one's in the wrap for me and for my new best friend, Just Incredible. Peace, love, and wrestling. Talk to you guys next week. Peace. Take See care. You. Take care, buddy. All right. Bye-bye. 
Thank you for listening. Tune in next week for another episode on Spreaker, Stitcher, Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, and iHeartRadio. Also follow us on Facebook at Straight Talk Wrestling, on Instagram at Straight Talk Wrestling, and on Twitter at underscore Straight Talk. And for all our merchandise, you can search us on ProWrestlingTees.com. Oh.